bandwidth for the Weird Things podcast provided by Wired Tree. For sites of any size and world-class customer service, head on over to wiredtree.com. Hello and welcome to the Weird Things Podcast. I'm Ed Mean, joined by Justin Robert Young. Hello. Mr. Brian Brushwood. Ahoy. And Bryce Castillo. Hello. Hi. Gentlemen, yeah. you know what time it is. What time uh, is it? You don't know what time. It's I, business I, time. Yeah, what's, what's no. going on? It's time for the hottest new show, CSI. Yeah! 3000 BC. 3000 BC. Oh. 3000 BC. 3000 BC. All right. So what's going on at that point? It's definitely. Uh, all right. Listen days. up. I know that you're supposed to have your week off, Gracknar, but I'm afraid there's been a murder. It's time to rock. Just a villager who a rock has fallen on. I was making that sound. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the Brian's, they haven't invented glass yet, so Brian's just got like twigs that yeah. go around his eyes. Just, 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 just holding two stones up to my like fake binoculars. Uh, gentlemen, we're taking to the site of a Japanese cemetery. Okay. Okay. All right. But this is from uh, the Jamon period. Which is, you know, we're a little little archipelago of Japan, known for its pottery. By the way, there's Jamon pottery. We used to use this like layered, like ropey sort of pottery. But we're not here to talk about pottery. We've got 170 bodies in this cemetery. Uh, okay. hold on there, uh, Gracknar, the world's greatest detective. Listen up, G Dog Gracky. Uh, uh, are we sure these aren't terracotta soldiers? Because I heard they did that in China. They buried a bunch of terracotta soldiers. Yeah. How'd you know that? We're, I mean, like, you don't exactly have the internet here. I, 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 hear, th- I hear things. Where? Uh, on the wind. <laughs> oh, well, well, thanks for explaining it. Jeez. My, my, my friend Totoro told me. Uh-uh. Right? Okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you heard Japan, it on the wind, right? Known for yeah, it in China. I apologize for my tone. It makes a lot of makes a lot of sense. Oof. I mean, in near, you know, maybe like two thousand years early for the terracotta soldiers, but you know, who's going to quibble? Yeah, I don't so, think. Yeah. I think they're real. My sense says they're real. <laughs> the bodies are real. The bodies are real. Okay, not well, terracotta soldiers. These I don't are even a know lot what of those are. Okay, well, I mean, your I just, wind tells you wild words, my friend. I mean, I just know this area is known for its pottery, and we're looking at 170 dead bodies. And, yeah, you well, know, people die, dude. Okay, well, look, they I live and they die. Uh, live and let die. I, 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 That's a song right. I, I just wrote. I, I, <laughs> with my I, wife. I, <laughs> you hear yeah. that music labels? <laughs> <laughs> who conveniently named Yoko and we're in the right country for that. So, <laughs> mm. uh, which is wrong beetle. Sorry. Yeah. Wrong beetle. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, I'm a wrong, Zeppelin fan. Yeah. So what do I know? Uh, anyhow, so we're, uh, here we are. We're in a cemetery. People die and they get buried in cemeteries. I know the CSI is very new. Yeah. So yeah. that's why there's a lot of dead bodies here, guys. It's a cemetery. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, it's like uh, what was the the onion headline? Archaeologists discover ancient race of skeleton people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, man, uh, all I'm gonna say is I'm seeing 170 people here who look a little bit dead to me. I feel like we should figure out what killed them. Now, uh, why don't you do uh, well, some wait, forensic hold on, hold on, analysis? I feel like we've yet to have the turn revealed here. On, uh, on, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, hey, over here, guy. Exposition guy here. It's my one job. I'm only in the first act of the yeah, show. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Here we go. Ted and exposition. I'm the landlord I'm with the Krakenar. key. I'm letting you in. You know. Yeah. I'm gonna tell you about her. Uh, so I, I'm 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 Gracknar, the world's greatest uh, before Christ detective, and uh, this is my sidekick, uh, uh, Jerry. Uh, Jerry Doug. Jerry Doug. Yeah. Jerry. First, first name Jerry. Last name Doug. He's all herb. <laughs> so. So, uh, gentlemen, I want to take you over to this, this gravesite over here. Yes. And uh, I would uh, give you more details here, but our, the website's taking forever to load. So I'm just going to, I'm going to just uh, bally you a little bit. We got a body here, and it's not like the others. I follow you while flourishing my primeval cape. Uh, the problem well, is. I mean, I mean, what's so different about this body? Well, 
he's like missing a leg. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, he's like, it looks like he's missing a lot of flesh. Mm. Okay. Uh, like he's, he's, you know, looks like kind of like missing some flesh, missing a bit of a leg here. Um, Dracula. looks pretty are, nasty. Are, yeah. Are, are there bears around here? Oh, I, I don't know. No. Okay, I didn't think so. All right. Uh, 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 so good. Uh, Ted Exposition. Uh, 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 so missing a leg and missing a lot of flesh. Uh, uh, just out of curiosity to confirm my scientific opinion, are there bears around here? <laughs> there are bears, but they're, they're not really. This doesn't look like a bear bite to us. No, so too much flesh eaten for it to be a common bear. Yeah. Maybe exactly the bear would take gonna... the leg, but but he wouldn't stay for dessert. Uh, let me let me let me let me take a sip of my coffee and lean over this body and uh, take a look here. Uh, yeah, these bite these bite marks. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to examine them a little bit closer. Uh, Ted Exposition. Um, is it just me or do these look like smaller bites than I would expect? It's you. They're bigger bites than you'd expect. Hmm. You know what? I forgot. I took opposite pills today, and uh, I forget how they make me a little bit loopy. Gotcha. They're actually bigger than I expected. I lean over to Ted Exposition and say, <laughs> opposite pills are dirt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, all right, so we got that's a little, That's a little 3,000 BC humor. <laughs> <laughs> are we sure he's dead? I kick him, just to be sure. Yeah, uh, we're sure he's dead, right? After he kicks him. He doesn't move. Yeah. 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 I mean, we're, we, 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 yeah, he's dead. I mean, he's dead. I think. All right. Hold on. While you're saying that, I'm lifting up the body. (laughs) Okay. And holding it between us. It's falling apart. It falls apart on you. Okay. But hopefully enough of it is there that I put my arms through and I start gesturing as. You are talking. Jerry Doug, <laughs> you've defiled our only piece of evidence because you wanted to play human puppet show. And I reply with, I'm Grocknar. <laughs> I get upset at the desecration of a crime scene. I give Jerry Doug two extra opposite pills. <laughs> Which I think turns him right around to normal again, well, I guess. Okay. It's not the first one from <laughs> earlier, though. Right. I'm, I'm putting dirt in your mouth. <laughs> yeah. <And> I- <laughs> And I gotta be, I gotta clarify too. Like this is actually one thousand BC. It's three thousand years ago. It's one thousand BC. Oh, 1, so I know that's BC. gonna, it's gonna change everything. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, oh, sorry. Wait, it's one thousand BC. Gracknar was my great grandfather's name. You can call me Gracky. <laughs> my name is is Doug Doug. <laughs> they call me the Digger Dig Doug for short. We're, we're not gonna stay. Go How is that? It's longer. Say. It's longer than so. Yeah. <laughs> you, you've laid the desiccate. You've laid the 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 corpse down on the ground. Yeah. And missing a like missing a, a right leg. Missing a foot. On the other leg, okay. missing a hand. Um, I'm missing are, a are hand. There a, all right, a, all right. Is a, there is there any friend or family that we can talk to, or is this just a a corpse that we got to solve this case on by ourselves? I think we have to do well, it forensically. Well, like if we're if we're modern day looking at this, definitely not. We could ask back then if we want to go. If we are back then, let, yeah. where are we going to frame this? Well, well, well. Uh, uh, let me ask this. Uh, uh, you know, we're we're just looking at what we got in front of us. Let's think about the territory because uh, I, it could be that the, the, the Yakuza are uh, older than we ever thought. And they were sure. rocking a thousand years before the birth of Christ, or I'm, I'm leaning towards wild animals here. Yeah. looks like it was a big chomper. Uh, 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 not many bears in the area. What's got a bigger mouth than a bear. T-Rex. An old lady. Oh, human. Well, I'm just saying, like maybe she was this gossiping was, this about was a, them. Uh, this was a cannibal situation. Well, I keep saying. I keep trying to go Doug, for that, Doug. but it sounds like they're they're, they're big bites. So yeah, but so, but humans have a bigger bite than a wolf, right? Or would uh, it be smaller? I, 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 oh, can yeah. we can we? Wait, uh, are there crocodiles? Uh, uh, Ted, Ted, Ted Exposition, can we examine the corpse again and see whether or not uh, uh, the, the the bites are in any kind of distinctive formation? Yeah, there's a symmetry to them. There's a structure to them. 
Symmetry. Hmm. Are they shallow, like 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 a human mouth, or or deeper, like a like a like a dog or or wolf's mouth? Deeper, deeper. And, uh, specifically, uh, are they jagged to indicate multiple teeth? Like, there's no chance that this is a clean bladed cut, right? This was teeth. There's a bit of serration to them. And bigger. When you say big bites, Ted, uh, uh, we're thinking bigger than a human mouth is what we're expecting. Yeah, Brian. You, excuse me, uh, Doug, 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 uh, Doug, 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 Douglas, Doug, yeah. Dougman, Doug. Mm -hmm. um, yes, bigger than a human mouth. Like a bear would be bigger than a human mouth, by the way. Yeah. Are there bears in the area? There are bears. It's Japan. There are bears everywhere. Why are you blaming the bears? I mean, I, I'm not blaming anyone. What's oh, oh wait, How close to the coast are we? Is there any chance this is a seafaring animal? We're in Japan. We're always close to the coast. Yep. Okay. Uh, okay. All right. This, was this man known as a bit of a fisherman? Yeah, everybody's a fisherman in Japan. Uh, All right. All right. Okay. All right. I. Oh, wait. Oh, think you sound like you're about to end a clue game. Uh, shark. Mm. Ding, ding, ding. Article starts off. Marine biologists have spent decades counteracting the popular misconception that sharks are aggressive predators that target humans, an idea that became particularly prevalent in the wake of the Blockbuster Jaws franchise. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, we just dug up a grave in a 3,000-year-old cemetery and found a victim of a shark attack. Yes! Gracknar strikes again! The world's greatest BC detective! <laughs> uh, uh, so, 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 uh... How scared should we be of sharks? Because we hear a lot of conflicting reports. Uh, uh, okay. So that's like, how scared should I be of lightning? Oh, not at all. Well, I like to spend a lot of time in high places in stormy weather, flying kites. Okay. Maybe a little more afraid. Uh, I mean, sharks, you're in the water, sharks there, shark attacks are exceedingly rare when you do find that either accidental or intentional, you look at, you know, look at the number of shark attacks, are very rare. When you, you get, you know, we, we have like summer of shark, which turned out statistically to be, you know, summer. Um, there, you be mindful, you know, you look at like, you know, people who are, you know, scuba divers, often the ones that, you know, might, you know, some, I do know people that are like divers that go into like crazy places that have shark bites because, they go where sharks go, and that's yeah. what happens. And I know a guy lost an arm and a leg, um, but uh, it, those are bull sharks, which are scary. And it just, it's just—it's like average person. No, but if you're mindful, if you're going to the ocean or water, you'd be mindful of them and other things, et cetera. But statistically speaking, you're—you're, you're, you know, this is notable because it's not like we find in these Japanese fishing villages lots of body. You know, when we do these, not there's tons of these excavations, but it's, it was an unusual thing to find a person that's been eaten by a shark. So uh, uh, I'm assuming that the presumption is this person died of shark-related injuries. It's not a case where it's like he, uh, old, old, live, old, live, old live, two, two limb Gary. Lived you, a long, full life, right. 1000 BC. No, uh, according, telling, according, telling according, shark to that, stories, according to yeah. the article that we're going off, uh, it, was, it was fatal based on the amount of injuries that he would have uh, sustained in the moment. Yeah. And they would have seen like some bone capping or regrowth or something. So yeah, it looked like that dude got. <laughs> I think it's unwarranted. Everyone is afraid of the sharks, and they should be afraid of the jets. In this economy, <laughs> thank you. Uh, I yeah, I'm no, terrified I, of sharks. I think I, that I, this I, is fascinating, especially understanding. Uh, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, do, do the Japanese have the same kind of fear of sharks that, that has been ingrained into America? Like, is is that is there a same a similar culture there? Well, fishing cultures tend to have a wariness of sharks. They have yeah. a wariness, you know, sharks. Whalers would have a wariness of whales because of you get close and that. But you know, shark shark fear. If you read stories, nautical stories, etc., the idea of shark you used to you used to associate sharks and pirates and shark infested waters. So sharks are a real thing, and you used to have you would have you know, you'd get sailing vessels where are whaling vessels that would process the whale on board the ship and leave a trail of blood and all this other stuff. And you'd get sharks that would follow them. You did not want to go overboard in there. 
and because the sharks followed the food and that would be you know trouble and that's why you know the stories are like some sailors never bothered to learn how to swim because what was the point you were going to die oh, anyways. That's like astronauts learning. Like, why would I learn how to hold my breath and pinch my eyes real tight for the vacuum against of space? It's yeah. like, if it's I'm in that rat. situation, oh, we're done. Yeah. 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 So uh, superstitious perhaps, but still. So anyhow, yeah. But like I said, I'm terrified of sharks, but then like I, you know. I mean, of the, of the three of us, only one of us has been on a shark-specific incursion that was broadcast uh, on cable television. But of the three of us, I could be in a pool, and I hear a little bit of a splash, you know, at night or whatever. I'm out of the water. She's <laughs> like, it's a chlorine shark. It's in here. I don't know how it happened. I just. Well, whether or so. not Andrew's suspicious, you, dear listener, shouldn't be of going to patreon.com slash weird things at patreon.com slash weird things. You can support this very show. Make sure that we keep doing it each and every Monday and make sure that you get our after things podcast where we discuss all the the, the ways that we create our, our own careers as, as independent entrepreneurs and creators. It's all available to you, dear friends at patreon.com slash weird things. I, this isn't like a whole topic to talk about, but I thought this was funny because I was looking through Science Daily and I saw this headline. Don't worry, birds won't become dependent on you feeding them, study suggests. Oh, uh, I mean, I, I, have a, I have four birds at my house that might disagree. <laughs> I was about to say, like, if you stop feeding them, I feel like they'd have thoughts about yeah, it. Yeah. Well, they meant wild, wild yeah. birds, but I just thought, like, and then you see my doctor, bird, birdie, birdman, <laughs> bird extraordinaire. Yeah. I'm a good bird. Uh, isn't that a thing with, uh, like, like uh, I don't know, like, what, what woodland creatures do we hear this about? Like, like don't feed the blanks or otherwise they won't Bears. hunt. On it. I guess, I, you know, like, a, um, uh, uh, there, there was a feral cat around here for a bit where, where the advice was, uh, apparently with feral cats, like, feed them just barely enough to feel good, but not so much that they stop eating the vermin that, that's around. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in this case, they were looking at bird feeders. I see where bird feeders are a good idea or bad. Because some people like, oh, no, don't put bird feeders in your backyard. It gets birds. Birds could be too dependent upon that. But they're like, they did like some radio track and said like, no, nah, like these birds are still foraging far and wide. And it didn't appear to make them dependent. But it was one kind of bird. It wasn't like seagulls at a oceanside resort or whatever else. So. Yeah, I, I would I would say, you know, so we have a couple bird feeders now in our backyard. And uh, birds are very defensive creatures. And so I, I don't think I, I could see with wild migrations and me, this is me only guessing like by, by way of bird psychology based on our own birds and watching the wild ones, uh, they like food where they can find it, but they are so defensive that like they are always on the lookout. So I could totally imagine that if it, yeah, even if there's one little spot that they know they can get just a little peck. Uh, uh, they're always going to go and find other things because they need to diversify their existence because that's like their entire existence is is just not falling prey to other creatures. Yeah. So anyhow, I mean, and it's but it's interesting too because you think about there's so much things we're told don't do this because of that. And sometimes it makes sense. Ninety percent of the time, it's probably very good, but yeah. often we don't experiment or test. We we talked about a while ago. The, was it like the five foot rule, the six foot rule, you know, when it came to like sneezing and stuff. And it turns out there wasn't a lot of science for that. And then also the science of particulates, but the five, like the five uh, uh, nanometer, whatever the, the five, whatever size that was, they said, yeah. oh, particulates over that. I felt like, no, that was not, that was a, a rule of thumb that had a lot of fuzziness and everybody said it for decades as if it was this fact, this un incontrovertible fact. And it's good to sort of go, is this true? Yeah, look, because... science is evolving. Science is constantly evolving. That's that to yeah. me is the commitment to science is is the commitment to understand that these are all of our best guesses and that we should test them robustly and regularly. Yeah, like this theory that we have a moon. Mm, yeah. I mean, come on. Bring me back some I green don't see cheese, it. Bezos. I'm looking out my window right now. Don't see it. Yeah. Yeah, if you're the moon, call us now. Prove you're real. Yeah. Exactly. What? Exactly. The phone isn't ringing? Mm, QED, mm, my friends. Exactly. There's Graknar so, tapping his forehead. 
So on that note, we got our uh, our UAP report. Remember, we call them UAPs, guys, not UFOs. UFOs are what silly, crazy people think are cool. Okay. UAPs are what serious people... Unidentified aerial phenomenon. Yes. And the difference is very distinct because the phenomenon is not an object. Although right. it could be, and an object can literally mean an item or instance of, but that's not important. So the government had the report, and they said, hey, 143 of these can't, 143 of 144 mysterious flying objects can't be explained. And then they're like, we have limited data. Uh, and we've talked about this before, and, <laughs> and, and it gets emotional because it, for some people, borders on a religious issue because really, really, really want to believe in aliens our extra dimensional entities are here and visiting us, which none of us here has a problem with. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, because I mean, if, if, if they exist, when, yes. when, when, yeah. when you think about it, Oh, Brian, you and that <laughs> like a- aliens are, <laughs> aliens are, are kind of just like an extension of a folk religion, right? Like if, 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 you know, this is just a different version of talking animals. This is something from beyond the stars that has a sentience beyond our comprehension. Yeah, and and so when we talk, when we, for us, we've spent, we've been involved for decades with, on the fringes of, oh my God, is this real? This is not, you know, Justin worked with me, Justin interned at the James Randi Foundation, where on a daily basis, we would get a package or some claim or something like this. <laughs> and, and, and sometimes from people, academics, like I can't explain that I'm a smart person and a smart person tells you this is not real. And, and you, you and I don't know. Like I can't. I'm like I can't explain 143 of these things. I've seen a couple of the best ones, and I've seen really compelling explanations. Like, no, this is probably this that makes me suspect that the many of the others may have explanations like this. And I think some of the people who are yelling the loudest don't want to hear that. You know, I'll give you an example. And I don't. And I don't. We're seeing a, one of these. We're seeing a scientist who's making an argument of like, why would aliens come here? And I've heard some people I respect saying that, like. That's not a good argument to go. Why would they come here? Why? That's not. A, doesn't matter. We can't talk motives. We can only talk about what, what we, we ha- see and what is it. Yeah, what we what we know it can be and what we don't know it can be. It, exactly to argue like, well, they don't have a. Re- well, that's not. That's not science. So, uh, we. I remember once, I worked at the James Randi Foundation, and I got an email from a guy who was a scientist. I'm trying to remember his field. I want to say he was, I think he was a psychologist and he's like, this is, this is this website thing. It reads your mind. This is amazing. Like, I don't know what algorithm they're using. Can you explain this? And I'm like, well, let me see. And he's like, this is like, this is genuine. He's like, this is like genuine. Like, and he, I clicked the link and there are five cards. Yeah. It tells you to remember one of five cards. Yes! Oh my God. And you press the button, they get mixed up and then your card's missing. And, and I'm like, I'm like, and I don't want to ruin the trick. I'm like, I email back the guy. And again, this guy's a professor. I'm like, Hey, uh, did, did, how many times have you done this? I was like, multiple times. Like, did you notice anything? He's like, he, he got angry. Like, why are you playing this game with me? Whatever. This is like, this isn't, you know, why are you doing this thing? Why are you ignoring this? Why won't you, you can't explain it, whatever. I'm like, Hey, I don't want to ruin this for you, but, uh, you know, next time, like, you know, remember two cards, you know, and it goes back like, oh, it got them both. I'm like, OK, now five cards. Yeah. And he was irate. He's like irate. Like he was just I know he was like, I'm an expert. I'm a blah, 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 blah. And then he's like, oh, God, he was like, oh, geez, I'm yeah. so sorry. I'm so sorry. He thought it was in his area of expertise. Yeah. He thought it was his area's expertise, but it wasn't. And that's part of the problem. We've seen this with. People I know who are critical of experts over the last year and a half are now going, no, well, no, I'm an expert. I would know what these things are because I'm an expert on, you know, FLIR imaging from Raytheon, you know, imagers made between 2006 and 2012 or whatever. It's like, no, you're not. And even, and I get here, well, these pilots would, no, they won't. We wouldn't. We wouldn't know. We, 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 if you don't have an explanation for it, it means you don't have an explanation for it. It could be unexplainable, whatever. So anyhow. Well, and and that's one of the things where, and we've talked about this before, but it's like that that great leap from thing you don't understand to 
fantastical explanation. Uh, and it's like, uh, it seems like the fantastical explanation is quite purely an artifact of what century you happen to be born in. If it's, if you happen, if it happens to be 1950 AD, then, uh, it's probably a Russian spacecraft. If it happens to be the 21st century, it happens to be a uh, simulation theory breaking at the edges. If it happens to be 1650, it's Satan. If it happens to be, you know, you know, 3000 BC, it happens to be demons or whatever. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's that, it's that discomfort. Like, yes, we all agree. Here's the thing that we do not understand. And I, I, I've said this many, many times. I don't understand the compulsion to fill in the gap and, and to close the loop on that. I will, I'm going to give two, I've tried to give this explanation on Twitter to people who kind of should know better, but it kind of fell on deaf ears because they didn't want to get it. And that, because I get this, well, the pilot saw this, the instrument said this, these witnesses saw this. And I'm like, let me introduce you to a concept in magic called dual reality. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Pilot. I see a light in the distance. Instrument. Bokeh effect. Right. All of a sudden, it's the, you know, let's say there's an airplane way off in the distance. Now we don't do the instrument because of, we've seen the video, the optics, it gets blown up and creates this bokeh of like a triangle. Pilot. I see something in the distance. I see a triangle on my scope. Person, people on ship. Do you see it? Yes. We see the light in the distance. They don't see the triangles. They yeah. see the lights of the airplane. On the instrument, it looks like a triangle. That story becomes you had all witnesses reported seeing this flying triangle. And that's the problem. People who I've, I've looked at, really smart people, don't understand how to dissect what's going on between what the image says, why an eyewitness can confirm a thing, but it's the thing that has a different thing. And this is a common, 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 common thing that when you wouldn't, we would go through UFO reports, all this sort of stuff. When you'd start to drill down and talk to different people like, well, no, I saw this, but Frank said he saw this. Yeah. And that's and I agreed. And then you're like, oh, because we don't have two different instruments showing the same phenomenon. We have one instrument showing this and we have these eyewitness accounts saying, I think I saw this. I saw the thing. And and, and I see that people who are very attached to maybe there's some cool new physics going on or oh, I would love that. I would love yeah. that. But it's just my narrow expertise was. How do you how do you get down to what people really said happened and what took place there? And these things tend to fall apart. Well, and also, I was actually talking to a, a, a friend about this not too long ago, and and he was like, "Oh, you know, I I, I think it's it's either like uh, uh, some some secret weaponry from China or Russia, or we want to show off to China or Russia that we've got some crazy secret uh, secret weaponry." And I'm like, "Well, oh, hey, look, man, anything's possible." Uh, but that would seem to be a curious way to uh, 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 get the word out. If you specifically just wanted those governments to know things, there are ways you can do that in, in a more direct and a more clandestine way than leaking it through, you know, uh, unidentified aerial phenomenon. Well, and, and I do think it's worth remembering how this came to be. If I understand correctly, the, the reason for this information dump of 144 unexplained uh, aerial phenomenons is part of the COVID package, because who wants to vote against a COVID package that has some weird, you know, your, your, your um, uh, out-of-the-box president wants uh, all of this released or whatever? Uh, like, let's say, let's say as part of my, uh, let's say the IRS wants to audit me. And they're like, and also as part of the audit, you need to spend two full days going up and down your property and bring us anything you cannot identify. And in which case I'll walk up and down because I, I mean, who am I to say no to the government? And I'm like, I don't know. I have no idea what this is. Uh, is it a piece of, of, of um, uh, turf from the road? Is it deer scat? I, I don't really know. I'll just put it in a bucket and then, and then hand it to them. And they're all like, well, these are of these 144 weird things on your property. That's the name of this show. We could only identify one of them, which means, and then you have this interested third party going nuts off to the side where it's like, I told you there's proof that Sasquatch is being harbored by the weird things audience. Look how long they've been I'll, talking about him. I'll tell you another factor with these images is that, um, again, I'm totally open. I, I believe we live in a simulation. So and if, if there are Pegasus has started flying across the sky, I'd be like, yeah, that fits in with my theory of what's possible. <laughs> I, I'd be, you know, I, I can accept this. Um, but 
you know, when I look at these images here, I'm like, okay, these are using very complex systems. The first time most people, outsiders, are looking at any of this, of any kinds of footage from these thermal imaging systems is when they see this footage. And they're like, well, yes, but people, experts within the field are doing that true. I'm like, yes, there are experts, there are pilots who see this stuff or looking at this going, this is something I don't know. There is part of the problem with self, creating self-driving cars is that every day cars encounter a new phenomenon in situations never existed before. And we're trying to build complex neural networks that can't get fooled. Every day, people get into accidents. Every day, you know, you have people make mistakes. Pilots make these mistakes less frequently because skies are a little bit, you know, less opportunity for that, but that can happen. And you get, have you ever done a 4 a.m. mission on this meridian with the light coming over here and these things here? Every time these conditions are different. And you look at this footage and you're also thinking, if you're the manufacturer of these systems and you're aware of their defects, you do not tell people there is a defect there. If you're the military and you're aware that our systems can be spoofed or can have this thing under this problem, you probably don't disclose that. There may be people who very much know, oh yeah, this is an instance of this thing here because of, you know, the this, you know, like that somebody says like this just looks like a lens flare on a thermal imager, you know, yeah. like and I don't know enough to know. This is the triangle thing we're looking at here, which is the, the bokeh effect. And, and that's still people are like, oh, what's this? Which is one fact. They're getting these explanations that pop up on the screen. Is it debris? Is it atmospheric? Is it foreign? All those are external. Very few of them want to go, is it something within the housing the of the camera? Yeah. Is it, is it yeah. some way that it's uh, uh, processing well, the light? And le left out of the story is these instruments were not designed to be general purpose uh, imaging instruments. They are designed to look for a specific type of enemy aircraft or, or a specific type of targeting phenomenon. It would be the equivalent of me um, hunting for ghosts, walking around with an air pressure gauge. And the moment I move or spun to the left or right and saw a needle move, taking that as evidence of something yeah. it's like that 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 this object was never intended to measure for also if i might offer some totally unsolicited slander of the american military oh hells yeah people in the air force are weird i'm just gonna say just totally out of school this is true they're weird they're just weird and people in the air force so have these told are me made, that but are you saying wait 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 what are you they're, saying they're, you, they're, you don't they're, have to be smart the quirkiest to fly branch a plane? of the military yeah, yeah all yeah. i'm gonna say is they're the quirkiest branch of the military a lot of these were naval naval force though Six of one. Yeah. <laughs> they saw mermaids. Sailors saw mermaids. They did. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's like, yeah, I, I mean, it could be these, but like my frustration is that when people start with, what are we looking at? Like, what are we, how do we know it's not, you know, a light reflecting off of something else inside of there? Like, I mean, it's just there. When I see people start way over here and they haven't even started at this start to sort of figure this stuff out, to look at this stuff, I'm like, well, I don't know if these people really know how to examine this stuff. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, again, um, I, 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 yeah, wrong instruments. They're not looking for that thing. All, all they have is something they don't understand. And maybe that something is dumb. Uh, in fact, most yeah. likely it's dumb. Yeah. And I, there, we've seen a hesitation too, because we've saw this before where some people were like, I know I saw this. I know I saw this. Then like, oh, at this this time and day, there was a Sikorsky helicopter doing a maneuver here, testing on a spotlight, doing this sort of thing. No, it wasn't that. <laughs> right. Okay. Cool. Okay. Cool. All cool. right. Cool. Nice. That's a good. Nice that was. Way I remember do. there was like the the like oh we're like twelve mysterious lights over like Arizona. We're like oh these sort of things that got news like oh look at this and I had a friend like oh how do you explain that? And I pulled showed him the web page for the aerial flares. The company that made them show the flare, show the footage of what this looks like. It's like, I don't know if it's that. I'm like, I'm like you, you know, it's that. And the fact that in your head there could be no conceivable explanation of an alien says you, you are not equipped to look at this phenomenon objectively. Well, and and um, that maybe should be the pre-qualifying question before any discussion begins is before we even talk about what it is, are you comfortable? with never knowing and, uh, yeah. uh, and, and assuming that it's probably something dumb. Uh, check one box, yes or no. And most people like, I don't know, they may say 
they're, they're, they, what, what they will do is they will check yes as long as I get to understand whatever it is. Yeah. But if I don't get to understand whatever it is, then no, I need to have a made-up explanation because I, heaven forbid I, I should handle not knowing how something is done. Yeah. There's a, uh, I heard this expression used, which was like a burden of proof, hot potato. And the idea is that, because like with the lab leak hypothesis, gaining more traction, natural origins uh, promoters. And again, I think we're all the same opinion. We don't know. We think it's very suspicious about the lab leak and we want more data, but we're not going to tell you one way or the other what really happened because we don't know. But you get the pe- the natural origins people like, well, the, the, the they failed to prove the lab leak hypothesis. And it's like, you know, extraordinary claims which are extraordinary evidence. And lab leak people are like, you failed to prove the zoonotic origins. Where's your evidence? Who has to do, who has to provide the extraordinary evidence? Because that was, a, you know, the statement by, you know, Carl Sagan, extraordinary claims require yeah. extraordinary proof. And it's like, and it's some, oh, mine's not the extraordinary claim. Yours is. You have to prove your point of view. No, yours is. And so you yeah. can fall into that. Good Lord. Yeah. Hey, what can you do? But, um, yeah, don't trust anybody ever. <laughs> DTA, friends. Don't trust anyone. Uh, so, uh, you know, you know what, uh, you know, it's, you know, it's happening tonight, right? No, no, no I don't. What's happening tonight? You know, you know, you know about the, uh, you know, the, the Rat King? Oh yeah, new 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 demo. New demo. New demo. Oh, yeah. King demio. actually available now. So, oh oh oh, oh, oh only I had a oh, couple hours gap oh. between. Oh, oh. So I don't I don't know for audience who hasn't heard us talk about this enough. We are very obsessed with this game. It's this is, we're starting to get dare I say good at it finally. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, <laughs> As we understand how to play the way it wants us to play. <laughs> So yeah, uh, uh, Demio, which is available on Steam, and the way we play it is through the Oculus uh, Quest Two. Uh, uh, it is a table, t- essentially a tabletop game that has a D and D esque uh, mechanics for a dungeon crawler, uh, and had up until today only one uh, three level quest that you could uh, that you could play. But that is no longer the case as now. The uh, the the dark elven queen is joined by the rat king, as uh, uh, we can now explore further into the underground. Now to point out, the game is replayable because every time you play it, it changes the layout and the locations of the monsters, which is very cool. So yeah, it's that's it is, what it makes is, it replayable, rogue like, as as yeah. as they say. It's never the same game twice, although obviously all the mechanics are are the mm. same. But that means that sometimes you get fairly easy board sometimes you get a really a, a damn near impossible board sometimes i mean sometimes you get a board where all the chips are stacked against you and yet somehow you take down the elven queen without a single bit of damage that's yep. skill and then yep and then your friend suspects maybe the chips weren't stacked against you and that you're just a bunch of <laughs> well maybe know. maybe somebody's just bitter because he had to leave uh <laughs> five minutes before we killed the elven queen without any damage maybe uh, but yeah, no, I, I friendship I, over. Done. <laughs> I love that game. I played a bunch just solo. Like I'll just, I'll just strap it on and, and play the skirmish mode. Uh, and it's great. It's awesome. Come on, wrong come about on. Those two sentences. Come on. Um, all right. All right. All uh, right. Yes. One of the things about Demio is that you get to play cross-platform outside of me. steam. It's the- Demio. 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 It's Demio. For demon. Demio. Oh, you you don't get the official uh, Demio YouTube channel where they explain that. Sorry, Brian. Please go ahead. I thought it was Demio as in Demi Moore. I thought it was a Demio in that uh, we would like to demonstrate our ability to make money off of you. <laughs> <laughs> I kept calling it Demio too. I just had to bust on somebody else. And That's it. So, See, now he wants to be Brian, like the sorry, to the I, cool I, kids, I, all the cool uh, kids. What, that so, he's, so, he so, so right. Uh, here's my question. I know. I know. It's uh, one of its benefits is that it does cross-platform. D- does it do any other platforms besides Steam two-dimensional or? Uh, like they're I'm waiting for the phone on, app. It, it, it seems that's like that's what I hear be, they're working on. Oh, dude, that's going to be huge. Yes, we'll never get anything done. I know. 
Uh, so the reason I brought this up is not because we're like nerd obsessed with it. Yeah, we're no. not nerds. We're not whoever, nerds. whoever out no. there is thinking when we're nerds, no, boy, you're, we're you're the nerd. Would a, would a nerd strap VR onto his face to play it? No. Nope. Come on. Come on. We are real. We are giga cheds. <laughs> there are. There are. Nerd. You know, VR is one of those things. It's like computers. We knew in the 60s and the 50s, computers were going to be a thing. We knew they were going to be a thing, right? Because how and whatever, because like, yeah, oh, this does something. This is something cool. And, and but in the early 70s, people were like, well, maybe, maybe they're not. And then you had the PC and the PCs were cool. But then like, what do you do with them? And then people discovered things like spreadsheets. And then you got PC gaming and then the internet and everything else like this. And now we have computers in our pockets and the, and there, you know, this period like, oh, does a person really need a computer? And now like we, we, we think that some people want to write this as like a right that everybody should have internet access that yeah. you can't function without it. VR, we're watching this, you know, years ago we went to one of the first like VR meetups in LA mm -hmm. and watching. So the evolution of this and people have been trying to make this argument like, no, this is why it's important. This is why it's now. And it's like, well, we know a thing's a thing when you just keep doing it, like the internet, like email. VR, great games in VR. We talk Beat Saber's great. Beat Saber's a great use of the mechanics. It's your hands are using something. You're in a visual environment. You're standing still and things come towards you. I think Beat Saber's phenomenal. There's some other games like that, but that's like a whole other level. And I'm not saying this is that, but this game really proved to me Thing what we I think we talked about before was like if you can get a really good tabletop game to work in VR, it's great because then you can be with your friends who live hundreds of miles away. And I think this is just a really, really, really great like walkabout golf, another one, phenomenally yeah. fun, chill, and this is another level like that. And so I think this is exciting because I think this kind of came out of nowhere and what else is coming. I think, yeah, the the biggest and that really is is a credit to the quest Two being such a casual device you know unlike uh something where you got to boot up a computer and, and strap you know something uh, uh to your head that's tethered to you know uh, your wall or your pc uh this is something that like i've i i don't know if i've since i've gotten the quest Two, i have not gone on a trip where i've not brought the quest Two, because it is that easy for me to uh, uh strap onto my head and uh uh you know, just if we're playing golf or, or Demio or, or uh, anything else, having that ability is uh, uh, just clutch. And so if it's that fast to get into the game, then that means you've unlocked that much more of a social element where, you know, uh, I don't think without the hardware, we would have group chats where we just ping out to a bunch of people. Hey, who's playing blank? And we just go and, and play it like that. That now is just a, a reality with enough people that we can regularly play these games, which is like uh, awesome. It, it, it really is just such, especially coming out of the pandemic where everybody was kind of isolated. The idea of just having that kind of time with your friends is precious. Like, like it, it is the, the, the fidelity is that good. You feel like you're hanging out with them in a way that you really don't with zoom even. Like, like I, I feel like I'm connecting with people more when I'm playing walkabout golf or Demio than if I were to start a group chat and we were all just to kind of talk in these boxes. I don't know what it is, but maybe an, an elimination of like the, the, the verbal cues of kind of wishing and missing that we were all in the same place. And instead we're in this fantasy world, all focused on this task and succeeding and failing with that kind of uh, uh, input. It just is magic. I and it's funny because when you're in there, you look around and your friends all have these medieval Mardi Gras masks on. Yeah. And you don't pay attention or care, but you see their hands moving. It is that is a very the idea of presence is something that it works the best in some sort of abstract level, and we keep trying to make it very precise. Like it was for a period of time on Hacker News every day. I've created a new VR space for people to VR, you know, do VR chat, and it's just literally a 3D environment with somebody's face stuck to a figure and like, you just move it around. You're like, yeah, that's what I, that's what's missing for me in zoom. Yeah. Is, you know, a, a, a plane that I move around and go, no, I'm talking to you. So I have a pitch for you. Go. I have a pitch. Okay. The idea of being able to do a podcast or something neat about the idea about being able to go and do something in VR, because the idea is I could do talking, but then have it generate the visual element. Cool. 
And something that kind of clicked for me thinking about this right now is the idea of being able to do this with a podcast theater where you get to see people as avatars and their reactions instead of looking down and looking at a side to have that audience in front of you. And when they do their plus up or react or heart, 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 thinking about that, we put these things on and we have the cartoon versions of ourselves or whatever, eventually really realistic versions, but then you're in front of that audience. I mean, I think there's, uh, there's a space for it. You know, I, 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 I think that would be something that we would have to figure out culturally kind of where it fits in, you know, the, the, uh, the, the, the concept of the hangout right now is very natural, but even then it's like, I've never had any interest in doing VR chat, but I love the idea of chatting while we do a thing Yeah, like, yeah. uh, uh, that's great. So if, you know, it, it, it is some version of that or, or some version of like, oh, well, could I play a game like in a, in a, in an almost like Twitch streaming scenario, but the chat room is there next to me or, or in the gallery, like at, while I'm playing golf or am I, am I just doing an actual like podcast? Like, am I performing? Am I the, the, the main event? Like, I think that there's a lot of, there's, there's a lot of places you can explore. I, I'm curious. I'm curious. Like Brian, is, does any element of that appeal to you, or to you is it like a thing to get away from broadcasting? No, it it it's uh, if anything, it's a way to um, uh, I don't know. You you you've heard the trope of like uh, if you're a father trying to connect with your teenage son, uh, saying son, I'd like to talk to you is not going to be very effective. But if you go out in the backyard and you throw a ball back and forth, before you know it, you're sharing things. You're you're doing the other thing, and it and it brings a comfort and a, a level of letting your guard down uh, that I think that we've all experienced in, uh, in VR in a way that you can't get from Skype or from a Zoom meeting because they are so formal. And, and I think just, just having a, a nothing MacGuffin to do, I mean, that's the reason that family reunions, the first thing that happens is our family takes out a 500 or a thousand piece puzzle and puts it down there so that it's just, it's just a thing that everybody can do and then chit chat while they're, while they're doing it. I think that's our new company, Brian. We're going to do VR puzzles. VR puzzles. <gasps> it's actually not because you could have. They could be three dimensional. Oh, or or I, I well, th there are various Rube Goldbergy type of games, but uh, but it, yeah, no, I love that. Uh, I, I yeah. and to be honest, Demio is a puzzle. It's 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 a fairly simple puzzle. You know that you're going to spend sixty to ninety minutes in there. You know that that you're going to work together and you know mainly. You work at your own pace and have a conversation similar to golf, same, mm -hmm. same kind of thing. Uh, there's no time pressure. There's no competitive pressure outside of, you know, all of us working together to defeat an imaginary bad guy, which is part of the reason I'm so excited to see Demio uh, uh, succeed is because um, the only limitation is I think the most I've ever been able to play is with three other people. And I can't wait until Every time there'll be, you know, maybe one person's on a phone or whatever, and, uh, and yeah. we're able to play four at a time. Sorry, I'm writing this down. VR puzzle, put together 3D environments. They come alive when all the pieces are there. Pieces tell a story. Because imagine, like, putting together, like, Hogwarts or, like, one of the rooms in there. Oh, yeah. The oh, sure, sure. Oh, and then Sorry. and then and then much like a a picture becomes complete when you finish the puzzle. This oh, would yeah. this would be assembled, and you would be able to or see even an just animation the, the or parts something. of the puzzle yeah. come alive, like yeah. so you know that you've gotten the the quarter of the room that you that you need to put together, and and that way that can help you understand yeah. where else everything needs to go. Yeah, somebody mentions Gather Town. I've done a couple of those. To me, it feels like an unnecessary UI to. I like that you'd be able to get together different rooms with the people, but the guy like, oh, I've got to bring my character over here to do this. I'm like, let me just click. So on what, that's like a but, little, like, like a, like a Sims kind of thing. Yeah. Gotcha. But you're, but you're just hanging I, out. Yeah. I think, I think it's, it's, I think it's exciting in the way we're rethinking these things. I think it's, it's very, very cool. So anyhow, yeah. and you know, the more brains thinking about stuff, and I like the fact that just delight comes out of nowhere. So, gentlemen, when he picks, 
Yeah, sure. dude. I got a weird pick. Uh, I was feeling a little bit nostalgic. I went on eBay and looked up how much a uh, uh, it was to get an Apple IIe computer from back in the day and whether or not it would function. <laughs> I was thinking about green monochrome monitors and all that stuff. And I uh, ended up typing just into DuckDuckGo. I typed in Apple IIe emulator, and it popped up with this uh, uh, cool little... JavaScript emulator, and uh, there's a, a few discs that you could throw in, and I threw in Oregon Trail, and just unironically played Oregon Trail for the first time in 20 years, uh, full on naming everyone after my family, and I want to I want to note that I made it 36 miles out of town before my wife had col cholera, and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I played on the highest difficulty, which means as a farmer, because you have the, the least amount of money. Uh, but my favorite part was like, I went very, very slow. I spent like two, two and a half, almost three hours hunting, uh, uh, moving slowly, keeping everybody clothed and fed. And then we got to like the, one of the last icons was the Snake River. And the Snake River is just too wide and too deep and, and it killed two of my family members. Mm. And I was just like, you know, this game is BS. The Apple IIe is BS. Manifest Destiny is BS. The Hudson River Valley Art School is BS. All of this is BS to keep this farmer down. And I was thrilled that the official Oregon Trail uh, Twitter account uh, retweeted me and then said, RIP Bonnie and Josie <laughs> with, with smiling, crying eyes. <laughs> it was really, really great. <laughs> what, uh, uh, where, where did you play that? If you just do a search for Apple two, uh, emulator, uh, Apple II emulator. Mm -hmm. I think it should come up, but but it's this JavaScript. That's a mobile thing or a PC thing? Uh, I mean, it's a, just a job. It's in browser. Oh, JavaScript. in browser. Gotcha, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, cool. I remember you know, back in ancient history, the didn't have a computer at home. We had the Apple IIs in the library. And after school, you'd go sign your name on a list for your turn to go play Oregon Trail on the Apple II. And it was that game... It is a great example of that there's there's I'm sure there have been studies about like what what are the mathematics of creating something that's complex enough to be interesting to you create some symbolic ASCII rep that's a wagon and that's this and the little music do do it just it hit all the right triggers and there have been new ver they continue to make versions of it, but yeah. it is just I am amazed at how big retro culture culture is, like how popular retro games are which i mean we still play chess and tic-tac-toe yeah. so why am i surprised i don't know yeah i mean it, it was just it is a golden age of games like these games stuck around and 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 were built upon for a you know a reason because these mechanics work and they're awesome and sometimes you want to go back and and experience it in its purest form before things were added on to even if they're maybe a little bit more frustrating like uh bonnie and josie found out when Oof. they uh, spilled off that boat and died hmm. you know snake river the curse kept I, going. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna drain every drop i'm, I'm gonna become a, a, a mogul and i'm gonna i'm gonna sell off all that water it's gonna be great <laughs> um i gotta pick so uh, I am a gigantic fan of Dana Carvey, the comedian from Saturday Night Live, a stand-up comedian, and he's got a podcast called Fantastic uh, with Dana Carvey. I will give you a warning that unless you are a gigantic Dana Carvey super fan and you want to hear him slowly understand what a podcast is week by week, uh, uh, then you should probably just skip to one of the more modern episodes where he, uh, I just listened to one with John Lovitz, which was great. Um, you, you get a lot of, uh, a fun kind of behind the scenes elements of their relationship, including something that I feel like, uh, would, would fit in very much with our, with our little crew here, which is apparently they have this running joke with each other that whenever, something goes well for either of them in their careers. They'll just call each other and say like, happy now, happy now, got everything you wanted. Happy now. Are you happy now? Like, Oh, you made a bunch of money. Happy now. Very famous. Happy now. Uh, Wait, that, that was Carby and who? Uh, uh, Lovitz. John Lovitz. John Lovitz. Lovitz. Oh, yeah. 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 I love Lovitz. Uh, That's funny. But, but just great. Um, 
uh, uh, great banter between the two of them. Uh, he he does Dana Carvey does the um, does the podcast with his hairdresser, who apparently he's he's really good friends with. Uh, which I I didn't realize until after you know he was doing it that I'm like. I guess he has always had really like styled hair, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, anyway, uh, uh, it's great. Dana Carvey's great. He's, uh, uh, you know, uh, I think a very, a very funny guy and I enjoy the podcast. Right on. Uh, I got, I got a pick. Um, I've been, I actually have two picks. Um, first off is a game. Uh, both of these are very similar, uh, but I just recently played uh, this version on um uh, on the mobile phone they have an ios version of it but uh if anybody remembers universal paper clips the uh kind of the proto idle time management game you uh you click and make paper clips and then eventually you sell them and you use the money to buy machines that make the robots for you and it turns into this whole intergalactic conquest sort of situation um that they have that on, on iOS now. Uh, they've had it for a few years, but it's only a couple bucks. And what I like about it is that it is a game that you can complete. I finished that game in seven hours, it told me. So uh, that was, it's an interesting experience because they don't make games like that, like this style anymore. You're not supposed to finish them. You're supposed to keep doing them forever, which is why I'm stuck in the rabbit hole right now of a new game called Exponential Idol, which is um, kind of like any like like those clicker games but what is interesting about it is it has this meta narrative of you're a mathematician or a, a math student turned professor and you are uh working on this formula that does uh something <laughs> you're kind of not sure it makes money somehow uh, and as you play you unlock more ways to uh to augment the the formula <laughs> And so, you know, you unlock new new variables and they add on to the formula and, uh, you know, you get to the point where you're not really measuring things by value. You're measuring them by how large the number is. You know, you're only working in <laughs> I, I scientific feel like notation. labels aside, uh, your pick and my pick are almost identical. <laughs> like, it's so yeah. kind of like, <laughs> yeah, do the thing to get to the thing. Yeah. <laughs> I I feel like Bryce's that somewhere these calculations are feeding into like a teal capital hedge fund and yep. that they're crowdsourcing all this stuff. And it's it, it's it's really neat. I've played a lot of games like these, and I think it's really interesting that this one is very upfront. Like this is the formula that you're working with. These are the various formulas we use to, you know, chart your growth, your acceleration and stuff. And you can there's even a really cool bit where you can like program it, say, hey, I want to prestige. Uh, when I hit this condition and you actually can program in a condition in in with logical operators and a lot of cool variables. So you it, it is it's kind of heavy duty in terms of a time management game like this. But I really dig it. And I, I think it's it's really neat. It's free. Uh, you can there's no ads on it. You can pay a couple bucks to get a permanent boost. But I, I think I think it's really cool. I've been playing it for over a month now, at least. Um and I, I think I've only got a little bit left to go. I think there is an, an end. Thing, <laughs> sorry, sorry, it's ex, called what? Again? Exponential Idol on uh, on iOS. Oh, that's the last thing you need is, is a, an infinite time sink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I have, uh, I'm do a little name dropping here. Um, uh, um, years ago, I had worked for Penn and Teller. And I worked on kind of was like their kind of a magic lackey that would help set up magic effects for them and would do things like well, they, were, they were doing a run of talk shows and I worked with them. And first one we did, I think, was Letterman. Right. And my job is to go set stuff up on stage, to go set these props, put them in place, get everything ready, you know, run around, get make sure the magic's going to work and then set them on stage. We're at the Letterman Theater. And this is like 1996 or something. And I'm. A producer grabs me before I'm about to go out there and says, all right, here's what you have to understand. Don't talk to David. Don't look him in the eyes. I'm like, cool. And I'm like, I want to be like, I'm also a professional and I understand that. Yeah. But I didn't say that. I also want to say like, I've only heard that about wild animals and children with mental challenges. <laughs> but um, I didn't say any of that. Just yeah. nodded my head, go out there, set the stuff up. Do, or do get everything ready when I'm just, just sneak away because I know that's Letterman, right? A few weeks later, we're at another talk show, Conan O'Brien. And uh, the experiences 
could not have been any different from like, I got to go on, I go on stage, I go on stage, I set it up and Kona's like, Hey, how you doing? Um, I'm cool. How are you? Thank you. You know, I'm setting everything yeah. up like this. Like, all right, cool. Walk away. He was pretty cordial. I'm just, you know, the lackey for Penn and Teller setting this stuff up. And then, you know, later in the hallway, I'm standing there talking to Penn. Andy and Conan come up and talk. Andy Richter gave me gum, told this <laughs> hilarious story. They were just the most chill, nice people that I, I, you know, that I met that were, I've met a lot of fans, but like for level of fame and nice, they were just, they were just got, cool guys. They were just super, cool guys. I remember like, hey, you want some gum? Oh, thanks. And then I was like, ah, oh, da, 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 da. And that stayed with me because I remembered like, not everybody who gets to that level has to be, you know, the, uh, the, you know, the God King, you know, yeah. has to be the sun emperor has to be this, this is my domain. And you will, it was, you could be these chill guys and do this. So, um, I, that, that, that was really a positive experience for me. And I, you know, watched the last episodes Conan had did his final sign off from late night television. And so he had a week long, different guests coming on there and going in. I say watch it for two for a couple of reasons. One is Conan has been, I think, consistently probably one of the funniest people there's ever done late night. If you really just watch through for it's not just some people get good writers in there, but a guy consistently you look at the stuff he comes up. I'm a big fan of Conan. He is a genuinely nice guy, not just my experience, but genuinely a good guy. He is one of the really good guys. A lot of people are like, oh, I love this person on TV. I'm like, they're a monster, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, that was, you know. Not saying that about Letterman, but I'm like other people like they're just people who are like that person's a monster who you love. But Conan is not Conan. Conan, super, super cool guy. Great guest. The Dana Car. I don't know if you saw the Dana Carvey. Bit no, he goes on there. No. Dana Carvey goes out there and just pulls out like yellow legal pad. and just does test some new bit out there. And Conan just digs into him like, why are you testing a bit on my last shows? You know, that's hilarious. Um, Bill, Bill Hader comes out and. One of the things you realize is that Conan and Bill hang out and that Conan treats Bill as sort of his personal kind of entertaining monkey boy. Go do this bit. Go do this bit. And then he has him. He says, do the one of the dying Tauntaun. (laughs) And 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 like he says, I only asked you this once. Bill's like, no, you've actually asked me to do this multiple times. So you realize like, oh, man, like there might be like, you know, like, hey, Bill, we're having a party coming up. You're like, Am I going to have to do my bits? You know, but yeah. anyhow, uh, he does a dying Tauntaun that is if Bill, Bill Hader, I think is probably the best impression because he is just Bill Hader's impressions. They're not, they don't feel like a guy who's like, all right, they just burst out of him because yeah. he's just natural mimic. And you watch him do the dying Tauntaun. I'm like, he's the best. There is none better than Bill Hader. So, uh, that's, 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 it. that's great. I mean, uh, I was lamenting, I forget who had put up a thing on Twitter of just like that run of late 90s, early aughts Conan that was just legendary when he was still in, in late night. Uh, uh, the the Walker, Texas Ranger lever. Oh, that's right. Yeah, like, when, when when the NBC had the rights to all that stuff. Had the rights to it. And it was just like... The idea of let's just play out of context, but totally serious. There was never a bit like tagging on it. It was just weirdness from like out of context. Walker, Texas Ranger was just next level. Like, and, and, and you look at kind of where we've, where we went since with like clip based stuff or YouTube or let's react like kind of things. And, and there was just, an element that he was always one step ahead of the game. Uh, 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 you know, look, it's not like he moving into this realm of content creation as he's also built a podcast empire for himself. Like we are going to be uh, uh, bereft of, 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 of Conan, but uh, God, maybe, maybe the last greatest practitioner of that specific art, which is, is kind of fading into this, this weird new realm of, of, of late night television. Cause you look at like early, early eighties letterman, great bits that came out of the top 10 list, monkey cam, all that. There was just that great, super creative. Cause he went into the medium and he did something different. Conan did that. But I think when he got the, t- you know, problem was that he was a point at, at the time when people got a lot more, f- you, he wasn't given enough time to sort of grow, I think in other ways, but uh, he, I can't, I'm like, 
name like a great routine or bit from anybody since then. Like, where's the news? And like, they, there'll be like, you know, people have their bits and stuff, but things that we like people, we, we mentioned this and we get in the year 2000, that was a bit in the mid nineties, yeah. you know, in the year 2000, you know, and it still goes your head. It's 25 years ago. It's 25 years ago. And oh God. Yeah. And pe people were pointing out the, the Robert Smigel bits with yeah. the, 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 the celebrity interviews where it was just Robert Smigel doing the impressions with, uh, yeah. you know, with, with, with the cutouts or whatever. I mean, just, oh God, so funny, so funny. And, and, uh, uh, not to mention he's just a great interviewer. Like he, yeah. he is, uh, you know, naturally just, just one of the funniest people and how he got that job is hilarious. The fact that he was, uh, a, a basically supposed to be a sacrificial lamb waiting for Gary Shandling to take that time slot, um, is is just such a such a fantastic story a, a tremendous overachiever and and he deserves uh all all the credit not to mention the fact that like you know look when when he had that whole situation with jay leno uh that was i mean to me the last most give relevant people context moment. on that what was that give people a little context on that oh i mean for those of you who are not aware jay leno retires uh conan o'brien gets the tonight show and then because, you know, uh, uh, as, as we can now safely determine, Conan was not the impetus of late night ratings, you know, uh, going down. That is something that was happening no matter what. But NBC gets panicked uh, and takes Conan off and replaces him again with Jay Leno before Jimmy Fallon gets the job. Uh, but but yeah, that was those last few weeks were electric. His he toured. We we went to go see him. I think me, you, uh, and and Katie Dirks, right? Uh, Andrew went to go see him in in L.A. Yeah, uh, you know it was it was a uh, 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 you know just just an amazing moment in time. And aside from uh, Letterman retiring, to me, it's probably those shows were the most iconic moments in late night over the past you know thirty years. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, yeah, it's not like he's dead, but it is. No. You know, oh, whoa, is Conan? Uh, no, but he's just a, he's a great guy that watching him. Oh, he's leaving late night. Like we'll see where he comes back. But like just to stop and appreciate him. What a what what a great talent. He he he, um, he deserves to work once a week. <laughs> I think yeah. he is he has done <laughs> enough uh, uh, working every night. They do. Uh, they have guest bits, including he has Homer Simpson as a guest. They do have a guest bit with, with Homer Simpson doing interview. that. Yeah. Yeah, the exit interview. Yeah, that's funny. So it's jokes. They're funny. Oh my jokes. god, like that's another great Conan bit. The secrets bit. <laughs> the secrets. <laughs> uh, all right, gentlemen, it's been weird. The Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>